both sides have to be building the bridge. If you just have one side that builds a bridge, it's just a lookout. <laughs> the same thing in corporate. Both sides, managers, employees, you need to be building the bridge together. And there's so many books that talk about, here's how you as a manager can be a great leader, or hey, here's how you as an employee need to show up. There aren't books out there, at least that I've found, that are about how you both need to build it together. On this episode of The Creator Community, we'll meet Kimberly Sauceda, a lifelong builder of deep and powerful connections with those all around her. We'll hear how she left Idaho and became a leader in some of the largest tech companies in Silicon Valley, and how she's leveraged those skills as a corporate leader to become an extraordinary coach. We'll hear about Kimberly's moment of awakening that led her to first understanding the power of bridges from her grandfather, and how this mindset helped her to develop her nine bricks for bridge building. We'll also learn the power of Kimberly's three magic words that create positive emotions in team members, deepen connection, and deliver results. And we'll learn how all this led to her first book, Meet Me at the Bridge. Check out the show. Welcome to the Creator Community. This is a podcast from book publisher, New Degree Press, or NDP. I'm your host, John Saunders. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, NDP will cross over 1,500 published authors on six continents, and it's the publishing arm of Manuscripts, Inc. This enterprise earned the 293rd spot on the Inc. 5000 list last year. This is the fastest growing privately held companies in America. This is episode two of season five of the Creator Community. Today, I'm with me, Kimberly Sauceda. Kimberly has, has over 20 years of marketing leadership experience at Fortune 500 companies like Apple and Logitech, where she led teams in global launches of game-changing product launches. She built high-performing collaborative teams that drove 2x market growth. She learned to thrive in these environments, both as an employee and a manager, by creating and maintaining solid relationships at all levels. As an executive coach and speaker, she now works with organizations and their leaders to create stronger relationships and be all in for their teams, as well as move from overwhelmed to unstoppable. Her favorite relationships are the ones with her boys. She loves to travel. Her favorite bridge is the Charles Bridge in Prague. And her new book, Meet Me on the Bridge, is due out this September 2022. Kimberly, great to see you. Welcome to the show. It's great to see you too, John. Looking forward to our chat today. I've really been looking forward to this day. So before we dive in to your whole book, let's share a little bit with the listeners about your entrepreneurship journey, going from you know working at big Fortune 500 companies to now running your own business. What's that journey been like? Yeah, it was. it's a bit of an eclectic journey, actually. I used to joke with a friend that I went from Idaho to iPhone. Growing up in Idaho, I always knew that I wanted to do international marketing. And then I've worked at Clorox, Nestle, all of these incredible places, Apple, I led smart home marketing for Logitech. And through all of that, what I was really excited about is helping brands turn their story from like old and stodgy for certain products to innovative, really rewriting some of that. And now I'm the founder and CEO of O2U, From Overwhelmed to Unstoppable. And I love also helping clients as they are rewriting some of their stories and they're moving from overwhelmed to unstoppable. We've had an awful lot of overwhelm over the past few years. And I really supporting all the clients, talking to them, it's just an incredible thing for me. 
interesting. So you took this, maybe there's a, there's a, a theme here I'm hearing, Kimberly, an early theme, which is you had this thread of helping companies kind of reshape their marketing and messaging and how they do their products and whatnot. And now you've taken that and applied it to leadership. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yes. And, and another through line was I found that it really was through creating incredible, solid relationships that I was able to achieve different things, not on my own. It is a strength of the relationships. So that's the other part that I am helping organizations and leaders with today too. It's, it's astounding to me how often I find that gap. You know, I, I talk about this a lot in, in my own coaching work around relationship building and, and many people see it as sort of this one time thing. Hey, what'd you do this weekend? All right, now we're friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> of course, there's a bit more to the story. Absolutely. Or I find right now, with so much overwhelm, people are saying, I don't have time to do that, Kimberly. Like, that's a nice to have. And I actually would assert it's a need to have. That's how we get things done in the corporate world, right? We need other people. And just generally as humans, we need other people. So, so important. I can't wait to dig into a bunch of these stories. But before we jump there, Kimberly, you're, you're soon to be a published author this fall, September 2022. How did a book even enter your radar screen? Well, that's kind of funny because it really was not at all on my radar screen. <laughs> a lot of people have now come to me and said, oh, I've always wanted to write a book. It actually started with a good friend of mine. We were out drinking one night and we were talking about the challenges of managing, the challenges of being managed. And both of us were going back and telling different stories. And at the end of the night, she turned to me and she said, you should really consider putting all of your stories and the stories of friends and other people into a book. And that planted the seed for me. And then the universe, as it sometimes does, kind of conspired and different people would say, oh, hey, that'd be interesting to have as a book. And just different people, John, kept saying this. My coach said this. And then a really good friend who was going through Creator Institute and the NDP program started talking to me. And as we talked, I just realized I could do this. This actually is a possibility. And so he gave me that final nudge that pushed me forward. And I'm incredibly grateful. That is so cool. I know more than a couple of people joined this program just because they saw me posting about it and this kind of thing. And I'm sure they were thinking, well, if John can do it, I think anybody probably can. So I'm going to jump in here. But right, very comprehensive program takes you from start to finish. But yes. being a busy person, running a business, having a family, Kimberly, how did you fit this into your life? Like, do you write in the morning, at night? How did you even make that work? Yeah. So what I found is you make time for the things that are important to you. I signed up on, on a fluke to do the women, the Nike women's half in San Francisco. Half marathon. Half marathon. And it was when we were launching the iPhone 6. So I had absolutely no time either. But what I found is I loved this time running. So I would fit it in the morning or I'd fit it in the night. And I did the exact same thing with writing. I just fit it into the pockets of time that I could create because it was something that was mine that was really important to me. And what was really cool is that the way that they've set up this program, you start by writing snippets and then you turn those into stories and then you turn them into chapters and you add hooks. And so in a way, it felt like it was a program that was just made exactly for me. Like it, they broke it down into things or bite-sized chunks that were so much more manageable. In a way, they did the like from overwhelm and then breaking it down into manageable pieces. That was an impressive summary of the program and then tying it to your company. I love that, Kimberly. Well, A plus on that one. And 
it's so true. Like so many people come into the program thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to write this book from end to end. And in fact, that's not the way it's done at all. In this, in this model, it's very much building blocks. And yeah. it was funny as I was promoting my book and talking about it online, uh, I was, people were sending me notes back. I hadn't talked about three, five, 10, 15 years. John, I've been, I've been working on a book for 10 years and I'm on chapter two. How did you finish a book? <laughs> and uh, I got so many of those notes. It was really funny because they tried to write it from end to end. Certainly not the case. So thinking about that journey and writing in and finding this time in your life, you know, what do you think you learned about yourself along the way with the book journey? Oh, so many things. Similar to, similar to the running journey, one of the most interesting things is I, at first it felt so daunting. It was so new to me. And so many of the different components of it felt big, right? Like, oh, how do you write a chapter? To your point, I knew a bunch of people who had been writing for years and years and years. Sometimes you look at that blank screen. And what I found is that really breaking it down to different chunks makes everything so much more manageable. And that that is just a style that works really well for me for absolutely everything, which it does for running too. And then the other piece, is that I didn't really feel like I was an author, which is a funny thing until I saw everything in layout. I saw my name and I saw all the book page numbers and that that made it real somehow to me. And I think that's an interesting thing that sometimes we don't think of ourselves as what we are until all of a sudden we're at that point and we can really own all of our strengths. So that was a very interesting moment for me to say, oh, wait, I am an author. This this is really real. We're going to publish this, which is pretty exciting. So cool. And I, I love that this whole journey helped reinforce for you this idea that creating these building blocks to help you get something big and daunting done is, is works for you and probably something you apply in your coaching practice as well to help people design practical roadmaps. It's one thing to have big ideas, but if you can't execute on them, right, then you're not going to get very far. And this idea of owning your, your identity and this newfound identity is really cool. I know I felt the level of imposter syndrome I felt as I went through the book, you know, as you're encouraged early on to promote your book and let people know you're doing it. I was like, how can I tell people I'm an author? I'm six months away from publishing or whatever it was, you know, it's yes. a very odd feeling. Yes. I, I completely agree because at first, so the, this program structured in two components. And at first I just signed up to write the manuscript and they did, they kept saying, oh, you should talk about it. And I thought, Ooh, I don't know how far we're going to go with this. I don't know that we should talk about it. And it's a funny thing because then once you put it out there and you start talking to people, people get so excited yeah. and, and then it just becomes bigger and bigger. So cool. And this groundswell appears and, and certainly that's been happening for you for many months and I can't wait to see what else is ahead. So let's talk about this book, Meet Me at the Bridge. So what's it about and why the heck did you write this thing? What was your mission behind it? Well, so First, I discovered the power of bridges from my son. During the pandemic, he, as most kids were, were spending a lot of time in his bedroom. He had Zoom school, and he also just wanted his own space. You know, you're home, it's locked down, you want some space. What I really wanted was some more connection to him. So I went in one morning and knocked on his door and then came in. And honestly, don't even know why I said this, but I said, ka-ching, ka-ching, ding. Hey, good morning. I've got my hammer. I want to create a bridge with you. And so we just started connecting and really talking, not even about his grades at all or his slightly messy room. It was just about how's life going? 
Are you getting friends in this new school? How are you feeling? Like what's going on? And my whole point was to build a bridge. I did this for several days. And then he came into my room one morning and John, he said, ka-ching, ka-ching, ding. (laughs) Hi friends, I'm here to build a bridge. And I loved it. And that's when I knew we were going to have a really good bridge together. Because the thing is, both sides have to be building the bridge. If you just have one side that builds a bridge, it's just a lookout. (laughs) The same thing in corporate. Both sides, managers, employees, you need to be building the bridge together. And there's so many books that talk about, here's how you as a manager can be a great leader. Or, hey, here's how you as an employee need to show up. There aren't books out there, at least that I've found, that are about how you both need to build it together. So I have nine bricks that you need, and they show how both sides can build this together. So powerful. And it's such a great point you make there, right? There's so many leadership books, and there's so many how to be a better employee books, but right, you're literally building a bridge between the two and knowing that you know, putting it out there that you have to work together, right? Otherwise, you end up with a bridge that maybe sort of misses in the middle somewhere. Right? Okay. Such a key part of this story. So it's about building bridges. It's about defining how to build these better relationships from both sides of the table. And then I love this story with your son. I think that little buildup in the sound, it feels like a kid's show that does that. This sort of leads in with that. I'm forgetting what it is right now, but that's kind of what it makes me think of. I love it. So how do you learn? How did you learn how to build bridges? Where did that sort of appear in your life, right? You had this experience with your son, but you sort of had this in your mind from somewhere. Where did that come from? Yeah, I think I've always been building bridges without even really having the language about it. And it really came from my grandparents. My grandmother taught me how to communicate openly, honestly, authentically. And my grandfather taught me the art of connection. He's a six foot three lumberjack. He managed lumber mills. And I remember this one summer going to visit him, my grandmother, And he took me on a tour of the Heinz lumber mill. And I don't know, I must've been like seven, eight, nine, slipping my little hand in his. And the amazing thing, we went to every single station and not only did he know each person's name and he was asking them, how's everything going this morning? What are you doing? But he would say, Bob, how is everything going with Susie? I know that she broke her leg. Is everything all right? He would talk to the next person about their spouse. He knew all of the different things. So when he was checking in, he wasn't just checking in on a cursory kind of a level. It wasn't just about the job. It wasn't transactional. He genuinely wanted to know about the people that were working there. And the really cool thing about this, he would be called in time after time to come into to mills that were in the red and he would turn them into the black in about a year because he managed this totally different way. So he taught me how to how to really connect with others. That is so powerful. I mean, as a small child, seeing your grandfather going around and just the connection he was able to make with these employees. And I'm sure at some point you're wondering why, why are you sort of bothering with these, dare I say, low-level employees, right? And maybe that thought even entered your mind at that point. And of course, you quickly understood the power of it, which is People want to work with people they connect with and have a relationship with. And it's just so, so important. What a a great lesson to learn early on. So when you think about this book you've written, Kimberly, and the parts, uh, this bridge, like what are the parts of the bridge and where do we, where do we get this? How do we get this off the ground? Where do we start? Yeah. So there are three parts to the bridge and then there are three bricks within each part. 
So the first part is all about building the bridge. And if you think of it similar to a house, you need to have a really solid foundation. So we start with trust, respect, and connection. And you need all three of those. Sometimes people think, oh, trust, or as you were talking about the relationship, oh, I can just do one and done and then I'm all good. No, this foundation needs to be something that you are consistently working on. And once you've established trust, respect, and connection, then we move on to strengthening the bridge. And that's all about how you are setting expectations and boundaries. Again, this is both sides, gaining alignment and then exhibiting belief and opportunity. And once you have those three in place, then you want to move on to maintaining or rebuilding because occasionally, John, we blow up a bridge unintentionally, but these things do happen sometimes. And so that's all about creating a culture of curiosity where you can ask questions, actively listening, and then ownership with consistency. If something's happened and you need to go back, then you have to have this shared understanding. And really then a CEO that I was talking to said, you have to show the receipts, Kimberly. You need to show them with your actions that you are consistently, you're owning it and you're doing something different. And it's in those three pieces that you can create a really strong bridge, but you have to start with the building that foundation first. Show them the receipts. I love that. So what would be, is there an example you can think of where, how do I start to sort of build this trust or connection? And, you know, dare I say, build respect. It sounds sort of obvious, but obviously these are issues I've run into them many times. Clearly you have like, what do I do? How do I walk in tomorrow and say, Hey, trust me now. <laughs> right? Yes. Okay. So the, the part about trust is really showing that. So for, again, for both sides, for an employee, it's showing, Hey, here's what I want to do. I'm going to do it and not just lip service to it. So in that aspect, it is kind of the showing the receipts, right? And it is, it is having this really good dialogue about here's what I need and here's what I'm going to do. When you think about it from a manager perspective, it's saying, okay, I want to go to Bluffton, South Carolina, and I'm not going to micromanage how you get there. We need to get there and again, putting some boundaries on it. You know, we have to show up there in this amount of time. We've got this amount of budget, but you go and figure it out. That shows trust. And it also inherently shows some respect. When you think about respect, there's earned respect and owed respect. Earned respect is how you're showing up and executing your job. And because of that, you are earning the respect. Owed respect is something that we can sometimes step on. And you know that there is an owed respect when someone is taking credit for someone else. That owed respect is as you are a human being, we should have some psychological safety and some owed respect. And then connection, I started already talking to you about how you build connection. The biggest place where I see people have we'll say hiccups here. It's if you turn any of these things into a checklist, I've watched and been on the receiving end of leaders who are checklist or checkbox about this. If it's not genuine, please don't do it. Please don't do it. It makes your leadership style even worse. But when you genuinely trust, respect, and connect with somebody, then you can also have this incredible place where there's deeper engagement and your whole team is showing up in a completely different way for you. Or when you build that trust, respect, and connection as an employee, your manager shows up completely differently for you as well. 
I really appreciate this concept of one, the checklist, but if you're going to use it, make sure it's done in an authentic and real way, right? And, and because I am a big believer in checklists for these meetings, just to make sure we cover the important things we need to do, not that we can't deviate, but yes, you, it just can't be, did you do this? Yes, right? <laughs> just all these sort of monosyllabic answers as you go. So thank you for sharing that. You know, in this, it's such a powerful message. And, and I love this roadmap you have to help people kind of get out of the gate because sometimes the relationship's not working. We're not seeing the results we want. And we just sort of feel stuck. So thank you for sharing that that entry point, if you will. You talk in the book about these three magic words that change conversations. Kimberly, can we talk a little bit about this? these magic words you have? Yes. So this comes in the chapter where I was talking about creating a culture of curiosity. And the big piece here is how might we? Now, if you know about design culture or brainstorming, you know that those words are how they start a lot of brainstorms. How might we do this? The thing about these three words, those is so magical. And I love these three words. In the corporate world, these are my three favorite words. How really lights up what's called a PEA. It's a positive emotion attractor. If you ask a question like why, it's a negative emotion attractor. And it starts to be something that you are already backed up. You're already feeling like you're accused of something. But the word how and the word what change things. So when you use how to start this question, it just opens up all of these different options. And might is not will or even the idea of should. It is just a simple world of possibility that we have might. And then we is, hey, John, you and I together are going to solve this. So it's like, we're sitting on the same side of the table. Now, it may be that you're going to go and execute it, or maybe I'm going to go and execute it, but the we is really this collaborative word. And I've used this so many times, and it changes things in such a huge way. And you can use this, again, up and down, right? So I've used this with a team member saying, hey, so how, how might we tackle this problem that you've been encountering with this other person, right? And really, it, it didn't feel, and I talked to him later, it didn't feel like I was saying, hey, you need to go da-da-da. And it wasn't very, it wasn't scoldy. It wasn't anything like that. And I also, to management at Logitech, said, we have this incredible opportunity to be part of the first smart home table at Best Buy. How might we make this happen? And then we collaborated and were able to really participate in an incredible opportunity. I mean, talk about magic, I don't know if magic quite hits how powerful that little phrase is there to say, right, it opens up possibilities, it creates this non-permanence or pilot sort of mindset, which is, oh, we're not, this isn't stuck in my lap and now we're stuck with it kind of a thing. And of course we love it. Positive emotion attractor. What a great way to frame a question that is really beautiful and, and to get things done because yeah. right now you, you're offering ownership to the other side of the table, right? And when people own something, they tend to do it, right? Or, or engage with it more. What a beautiful way to put that together. So there is no, right? You, you talk about this concept of there's no one size fits all, right? And it's, you say it a little bit differently. I'd love to hear you say it. Yes. So what I said is it's not one size fits all. It's one size fits you. Yes. Or management style and that you can really personalize your management. So powerful. And so how do we do this? How do we create this custom environment? And, and as a leader, if I have, 10, 15, 20 direct reports, how do I sort of scale that? Yeah. So what you do, and this goes back to really understanding who it is that is working for you. And 
I have an incredible example. Her name's Krista Todd. She does this better than anyone else I know. She's the CMO for Norton LifeLock. And she has all of these questions that she sits down. So as CMO, she's got a lot of leaders and she sits down with them and asks them seven or eight questions that she walks them through to really understand who they are, how they want to, to work with her and how they'll get the, you know, how they'll have the best relationship together. She asks some questions like you would think, right? How do you like to be communicated with? How do you like to receive feedback? Several like that. Then she also asked two questions that I thought were really interesting and unique. One of them is, tell me what really irritates you, right? <laughs> kind of figures out, hey, these Ooh, that's are- a good one. <laughs> isn't that a great one? And she also says, how can I get a gold star with you, right? So she kind of does both ends of it. And the other piece that I absolutely love is she takes all of this information and then she modifies, customizes, if you will, her leadership style for that person. And she checks it because then if they come back and she's given them feedback and it wasn't how they really wanted, she says, Hey, had this conversation and they kind of redesign their way of working, if you will. So this is what we were saying. It felt like this happened. And I love that, you know, there's, there's no defensiveness in it. There's no wrong making. It's just all about how do we have this best really tailored relationship. And again, some people say, I don't have time to do this or you know, to point, this doesn't skip, but it actually does because the time that you invest in this relationship pays off 10, 20, a hundred fold. It's just amazing. You know, it's interesting what, what I'm hearing and please correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like her model, is she someone featured in the book? She is. She's got her whole chapter. Yes. Amazing. What I'm hearing is she kind of has her own MVP there, if you will, this minimum viable product, which is finding this sort of systematic way to connect with people and then building from there. So I, I feel like there is some scalability there from that respect. Is, is that a fair analogy? Yes. Yeah. I think that is a great analogy. Yes. Cool. I love that idea. And what irritates you? I mean, what a brilliant question to ask. And I'll, I'll put this thought out there to our listeners. This is certainly something I, I've spent a lot of time in my life working on and coaching people on is asking for feedback, right? And just, just be ready. You're not always going to hear the things you want to hear, right? But that's okay. This is how we learn and grow. So another key feature of the book or element of the book is this idea of belief and the power and importance of belief. You know, why is it important for managers to really show belief in their, their team members? What have you seen there? Yeah. So there are nine bricks. And all nine bricks are very important. If you have all nine bricks in place, it is connection and belief that are the game changer bricks that change what the relationship is to this incredibly fulfilling relationship. So another leader that I highlight who is an inspiring leader who has had people follow him from one place to another is Rodney Toy. And he does an incredible job of exhibiting belief. And I want to talk about this from both ends. So he had, I mean, from employee and, a, and manager. So early on in his career, he had a, a manager that really believed in him named Dennis. And Dennis moved him from finance to sales and then moved him up to be a VP of sales. And Rodney's the first to say it was before he technically had the years of experience. But Dennis said, I've got you and created this incredibly, well, what we would say now, psychologically safe place for Rodney to say, 
I'm not sure how to deal with this. Oh, there's this employee challenge that I have. And he really stepped up into this opportunity that Dennis afforded him. And they became such an incredible, that Rodney calls it dynamic duo, where Rodney could end up looking at Dennis and then he knew exactly what he was thinking. The business just flourished with the two of them. And so Rodney then later on, he would go and have his employees or people that he was mentoring. And he'd say, look, how can I help? What can I do? And what he loved and what I think is really interesting is when an employee would come to him and say, here's what I want to do. And here's some of the ideas that I have. And I love that because again, so often employees think, well, it's my manager. They hold all the strings. I need to just wait. And then they're going to give me this amazing opportunity, right? No, that's not the way that it works. None of these bricks are one-sided. You come and show what you have as a plan, and then you can do incredible things. Right. Put yourself out there, ask for that opportunity. But I love that this, this, this Dennis created this opportunity for him. And that is a mindset that I'm just so passionate about. So I really appreciate that story because so often we just don't sort of think, start there with our thinking, like, how can I create an opportunity for somebody? I find not a lot of people wake up and say that is their first thought of the day. And it's such a powerful one. So thank you for sharing that story. So if I'm feeling stuck, I'm, I'm with my team, I can't seem to connect with them, growth isn't happening. Like, where do I begin that, that bridge building? So you go back and look at each of those three components. If it's a new relationship, then you're starting from building the bridge. If it's an existing relationship, what you want to do is look at each of those three parts, the building, the strengthening, and the maintaining to really diagnose what part of the bridge is missing. So how are you showing up? Where is the trust? Where is it on your side? Where is it on the employee's side? Respect. Are you showing earned and owed respect? Are they showing earned and owed respect for you? Have you been spending time building the connection? Like you literally can go through each of these nine different pieces and find out what's happening. Because the key part about a bridge and this is just true of all bridges, literal and figurative, every day they're atrophying every single day. So if you're not actively building and strengthening and maintaining this bridge, just as a matter of course, it's starting to atrophy. And I'm not saying that you need to do massive things each day, but even small things help reinforce it. That is, I love that staying with this bridge analogy through and through here, right? Like any bridge on the roads today, like atrophies, it rusts all like, just like any bridge between you and another person, it's going to have some level of atrophy to it. Things change, people evolve, and you need to make sure you continue to sort of keep it going, keep it clean, keep it maintained, if you will. I love that. You know, Kimberly, when you think about this book, Meet Me at the Bridge, what do you hope to accomplish with it? Well, what I really want is for leaders, managers, employees to read the book and to take away all the different components of the bricks and leverage them in their relationships. So then you have these happy, healthy, high-performing teams that are really connected, that are really excited, energized, because the world that we're living in right now, there's so much burnout. There's a lot of frustration. 4.2 million people quit in January of 2022. 
55% of people said they're looking for a new job in 2022. There are a lot of economic things. Building this bridge, it just it enables you to have a better world of work where relationships are thriving and the organization is thriving. That's True. what I'm hoping everybody will do. What a powerful message. I mean, it turns out when people are happy at work, they feel connected, they deliver, they operate at a higher level and they deliver better results, right? It's crazy. You know what else? It it lowers your turnover too. So yeah, lots, lots of good stuff there. Yeah. I would I, I shudder to think another person I interviewed recently told a story of one meeting and he worked for a very large Silicon Valley company where the manager, it was an ask me anything meeting and the manager got one person to ask them a challenging question and the person exploded at them on stage in front of, you know, a hundred vice presidents and above at this company. And he said within a month, a dozen people left Yes, from that one, you know, sort of one minute of uh, explosion from this person. So what a, a great message to share. When you think about this business you've built and now, of course, uh, as a mother and, and you know, as a founder and CEO of this company, doing all this coaching, you know, what do you find most fulfilling in your career and business today? I love when people have those aha moment moments, right? When I have a leader and they've been having some challenges with something, and then they have that moment where you see the light bulb go off and they're like, oh, okay, now different things are clicking into place. And it's it can be where you know, they are going from the overwhelm and they're like, oh, wait, okay. So if I do these things that those are the chunks I need to break it down into, or I had a full day leadership retreat in May and we were talking about building bridges and watching all of the light bulbs going off. Oh, wait. Okay. I was doing some things that maybe were micromanaging. Maybe we need to to change things up. And having those pieces, that's the part that I'm just incredibly, incredibly excited about. I love supporting people when they're having these breakthrough moments. That is so cool. I mean, light bulbs to breakthroughs and helping them find those by, I think, asking your favorite question, how might we, right? And sort of helping guide people through this journey. What a a great way to do it. If you really want to think about the book, Meet Me on the Bridge, Kimberly, what is the key message you hope? readers take away from it? Yeah. The the key message is that both sides need to be building this bridge together. Both sides really have agency. And when you're both focusing on it, it, it doesn't have to be really, like I said, it doesn't have to be big, big actions every single day. It's the small actions, it's consistent actions, and it's through that that you're going to have really solid relationships. And here's the thing, okay, this book is absolutely focused on work, but recently I've had several people say to me, oh, this would be a great parenting book. This would be a great, like, how to be a good friend book, all of these different things. So it's also interesting I hope that it just, you know, helps people with all of their relationships. I mean, I, I can already see the series coming out, my friend, right? How to build, bridge, how, uh, meet me at the bridge at work, meet me at the bridge at school, meet me at the bridge. Oh, yes. Right. right. With my friends. <laughs> what? Chicken soup for your soul version of things. Yes. That is really cool. And just the idea that you're coming at it with this mindset of we're in this together, right? Just the title of the book immediately opens that door to say, hey, we're in this together. This is no one-way show here, right? I'm not your manager and just tell you what to do all the time. My 
this is, it just starts with collaboration, which is just so brilliant. I love it. So the, the book has already opened a number of doors for you, Kimberly. What's been your favorite so far? Well, I'm very excited about all of the speaking opportunities that I have. That That is incredible because being able to spread this message is exactly what I want to do. So I'm talking with a lot of big name organizations, and then I'm also talking to some different podcasts. The most amazing thing is that after I had the leadership day, that has now turned into already, even before the book is out, a six-month leadership program that's all about building bridges for inspiring leadership. And that to me is one of the coolest things because now there's a whole program that's going to be out there that people can really dive deeply into how they can build these bridges. So you've created a new six-month leadership workshop program, if you will, that is directly related to the book. Brilliant. And you've already signed someone up to do it. Yes, I already signed an organization up to do it. And I'm working on book club questions for other organizations so that they can get this into their organizations as well. As far as the journey as a whole, right? Just thinking like, oh, I was, was I even going to write a book? Oh, I am writing a book, right? Sort of thinking of the whole kind of 12 month journey from end to end. Yes. Any unexpected positives in it that you just were like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Anything like that that's happened to you? So many positives, so many. So first of all, one of the really cool things was that I've gotten to meet so, so many people that were really candid about their leadership journey and about building bridges. And I mean that because they, they told stories of here's what worked. And then also, oh, this did not work at all. And the book includes both of those. And throughout all of that, there are, here are the cool insights. And in a way, it's helped refine how I build bridges and how I would, you know, obviously through the book, give ideas and tips for other people to build bridges. It's, I didn't think of this till just now, but it's helped me build my own bridges with all of these people. I interviewed dozens of CEOs, leaders, authors, coaches researchers, professors. So, and now I have a whole bunch of new bridges with some absolutely phenomenal people. That is so cool. And right. And you, you learned about it through the act of writing this book and putting it on paper and having to write it in a way with your editing team to make sense and is understandable, right. It helped you understand it better and apply it more to your own life. That is really awesome. When you think about 2022, Kimberly, what is, what is your most audacious goal you set for yourself for this year? Mm. Well, that was really the the launch of this book and getting the message out there. That was the biggest thing that I wanted to do. At, at the start of the year, you know, I was still in the middle of actually writing the book and figuring it out. And there, we've gone through a big pivot. So first of all, I'm incredibly thankful for my two phenomenal editors. This book would not be here without the two of them. And my big goal really is to touch as many people with this book as I possibly can to get this out into the hands of as many people. And so setting up a big launch event, setting up, you know, talking to all these different organizations. That's what I'm really excited about. I love it. I, I'm, I'm sensing a TED Talk in your future. That's my prediction for 
So I say that that's, that's my prediction here. All right. That, that sounds like a good goal. Okay. I, I will make that. I'll make that happen. Awesome. Last thought here about the journey, right? If you, if someone's out there thinking, gosh, book, how the heck do I get this done? You know, what would you like listeners to know about the journey, right? If they're thinking about it or maybe haven't thought about it yet, but now are. Yeah. So I would say first really understand what your, what your goal is, what you want to do with the book, helping that, or, I mean, having that helped me to write the book because you're going to have it's a little like a roller coaster. There are all of these ups and downs and amazing thrills and, you know, pit of your stomach. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? <laughs> so, so to, to handle all of that, knowing your why is incredible Two, I would say, go find some amazing editors because again, without Karina and Sandy, this book would not be what it is. I am forever grateful to them. That's awesome. Find a community and that NDP has an amazing community. And then one of my really good friends gave me incredible advice. He said, go after the nails first. And I love that. That's how he wrote his, his thesis. And so find the things that you actually can just hammer right on the head, knock them out, and then keep moving forward. Because then you also have this sense of accomplishment. Makes me think of the progress principle from Teresa Amabile. I'm a big, uh, big fan of that thinking. That is awesome. I mean, so much learning, so much growth along the way for you. And I love how you just continue to sort of break things down and make them simple and executable. And no doubt that's what's a big part of what's made you a successful coach. And this creative and thoughtfulness about you, is a creative, creative mindset and thoughtfulness about you is just really, I can feel it. It's, a, it's a infectious, even through Zoom. But when you, if people want to learn more about you and the book, Kimberly, where might they go? Yes. So my website is from o2u.com. So it's from F-R-O-M-O, overwhelm, to like the number two, U, unstoppable.com. So that's the best place to find out. My book is on there, stuff about me, my coaching, speaking, all of that is there. And I think I've seen a pretty robust profile on LinkedIn as well, if I recall correctly about you. (laughs) Yes. Uh, You can also find me in Kimberly Sauceda at LinkedIn. I'm pretty awesome. easy to spot with red hair. Meet Me on the Bridge will be available this fall, September 22, wherever you buy books online. Kimberly, great to see you. Thank you so much for being on the creator community and sharing your story. Thank you so much, John. It's been incredible. The pleasure is all mine. So don't forget to subscribe to the creator community channel channel on your favorite podcast platform, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever you consume podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. I'm your host, John Saunders. Keep creating.